Yeah, another great question. So a word of knowledge is just exactly that. It is a word of something known, not by the delivery person, but by the person who's receiving that word of knowledge. It's something they will already know. It's going to confirm something in their life. Like uh, the Lord may give you, you know, like, like with Jeffrey for such a time as this, I've never met this kid in my life, but it was a immediate download, a supernatural download uh, from heaven and downloads the, it's the only word I can use right now. I don't have a better word for it, but a download from heaven to deliver to him that he already knows. He wrote the book. He, he, he launched the website. He has the ministry name called for such a time as this. And so it, the word of knowledge just confirmed to him what he already knows. Well, hey, welcome to this episode of the Pastors Roundtable Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Latham. This is the podcast that we help you thrive in life and in leadership by giving you a roadmap to be successful. So I've got a great guest today. We have been friends uh, for over 20 years. We were a part of a coaching group together. And uh, Mari's been in youth ministry for a long time. And uh, just like myself, but is now an executive pastor, and I'm excited to announce that he's also an author of a book, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So, Marty, man, thanks for being on the podcast. So good to have you. Ryan, thank you for the invitation, my friend, and uh, it's good to hear your voice and to be with you. Yeah, we met probably 18 years ago, and um, just so proud of you and the work that you're doing, and uh, thank you for making this podcast available. Yeah, absolutely, man. So for all of us, why don't you just tell us a little bit about that ministry journey and kind of where you're at now? Yeah, for sure. I gave, gave my life to Christ in 93 uh, before many of your listeners were even born. And um, <laughs> I went on my first missions trip in 99 and I just knew that the Lord said, go, go into all the world. And I, I went and it was on that missions trip, Ryan, where I got called into the ministry, um, got to preach my first message in Bogota, Colombia. Uh, I didn't plan on that. Somebody forced me into that. And um, I just went to paint some rooms and to be the hands and feet. Next thing you know, um, I'm standing up in front of thousands in Bogota, Colombia as a young man who, you know, barely knew the word and uh, was was barely saved. And uh, but somebody trusted me to get up and share the gospel. And I did. And when I did that, I saw all the hands go up to receive Jesus. And the Lord spoke to me and said, this is what you'll do for the rest of your rest of your life. And so here we are almost. 30 years later and still in uh, full-time ministry and we love it. I am the executive pastor at a church in Dawsonville, Georgia. It's, it's nameless and faceless. Nobody knows Dawsonville, Georgia. It's about an hour North of Atlanta, but um, we've been in a, a revival for about the past five years, a little over five years now. We've baptized over 31,000 people. We've seen some of the most amazing mind blowing um, testimonies of healing and deliverance salvation, restoration. I mean, we've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open, um, the lame walk. It's just been phenomenal. And so, yeah, I did 18 years of youth ministry. Um, I say that like a prison sentence. I did 18 hard years. Of <laughs> no, I had the honor. Hands on the ministry. I did youth ministry. I had the honor of serving as a youth pastor for 18 years. That's how I met you. And then the past three years, um, we've been serving as executive pastor here in, in Dawsonville. So good. And, uh, man, I'm super excited about you just published your book, um, and, uh, super excited about it. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about the book and tell yeah. us about the title, you know, I mean, how'd you come up with that? Yeah. So it's, it's called echo heaven and, um, man, I'm so, so thrilled that the book is out. It took a long time to write it because I don't know about you, Ryan, but I, I'm a college dropout. I, I don't I don't brag on that. It's not an endorsement for anybody else. Um, but it's just the fact in my life, I, I, I was told I was going to have to take a speech class to graduate. And I said, man, that's not me. I don't remember doing oral reports in middle school, high school. I'm sure not going to pay somebody on a college campus to embarrass myself in front of all my peers. And so the day I was told I would have to take a speech class to graduate is the day I quit. I walked off the college campus and I never went back. And then I gave my life to Christ like three years later and 
went on the missions trip in 99 and God called me to do something I swore I would never do. Isn't it just like him to do that? Um, but through my journey, Ryan, through, through the journey of being born again and navigating my faith steps with, with Jesus, I just realized that um, he, he, he extends an invitation to us as believers. And multiple times in the scripture, he said, he who has an ear, let him hear. The only problem was, was my early walk with Christ. I don't remember hearing him at all. I would hear all these pastors and evangelists and prophets. They were saying things like, like, thus saith the Lord. I'm like, how did you hear that? And mm. I would hear people say, the Lord told me to tell you this. And they'd point their finger. The Lord said to tell you this. And I'm like, why is he not telling me anything? I don't ever get to hear him like that. And um, so I always question either, number one, God only chose to speak to an elite group of super spiritual men and women. Or number two, I was spiritually deaf. And it had to be either one or the other or both that I was not in the elite group or number two, I was spiritually deaf. And so, but over time, I just realized that the reason I wasn't hearing from the Lord, it wasn't because he didn't want to speak to me. It was because I had so much static in my life and I wasn't mm -hmm. dialed into his voice and all the other voices around me took precedent over his voice. And so therefore, um, I, I couldn't hear him until I got myself to a place to where I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this journey of this invitation. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. Um, I'm going to find out what that really means. And I'm going to jump into that and I'm going to, I'm going to take the Lord at his word. If it's an invitation to hear him, I want to hear him and I want to hear him loud and clear. And so there's just a couple of things I picked up along the journey that I share in my book, Echo Heaven. And it's really all about hearing from the one who guides our steps, from the one who we gave our life to. It's hearing his voice, fine tuning that voice uh, and getting the static out so we can hear him and then to go do what he says. And so therefore, um, it's like Jesus said, I only do what I see the father do. Mm. So I think for me, my purpose, my mandate on life is just to echo heaven. I don't want to have to make anything up. I don't have to manufacture anything. I just want to hear what the father's doing, read what the father's doing in his word, and then go do that. Just go do that. Just go echo heaven. So good. So in the, in the book, you talk about having a lifestyle of, you know, echoing heaven, right? Hearing from heaven and doing that. So, I mean, what does that, what does that look like? What are some ways that we can begin to cultivate this in our own lives? Yeah. And again, I don't have the corner on the market when it comes to hearing the voice of God. I just simply share some things that have worked in my life. And so for me, I just started going from Genesis to Revelation and just kind of looking through and seeing where he did speak to people and how they heard him and 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 where they heard him and when they heard him. Uh, and I've discovered that, number one, God is not limited by how he speaks. He'll speak through men. He'll speak through his written word. He will speak through his audible voice. He'll speak through a donkey. That's in the book of Numbers. Um, so he speaks in so many different ways. He's not limited in how he speaks, nor is he limited by where he speaks. You don't have to be sitting in a church just to hear the voice of God. Um, and and when he speaks, you can, you can hear him as you're sleeping. The Bible says he speaks through dreams and visions. So, so um, I think sometimes maybe we, we can hear him clearer when we are asleep because the, all the distractions aren't coming in. So uh, I first looked at Genesis and it leaped off the page to me. I'd read it a hundred times or more before where in the creative process, in the Genesis of all this, um, the Bible says, and God said, and God said, and God said, and everything he said was created. It was obedient to what he said. And so for my life, I was like, hey, I'm, cr I'm created. I'm a creative being. I should be echoing what he says. When he says it, I should be doing what he told me to do. And so I just started learning early on that God, number one, is still speaking to this day. Uh, and number two, he doesn't always speak in the way I think he's going to. He spoke through angels, dreams, visions, the audible voice. I have never, I'll be 53 years old this year. I've never Ryan, I'm confessing. I've never heard audibly the voice of God. 
And, and I've been in rooms where I'll ask people, you know, 150, 200 people, who here has ever heard in your life the audible voice of God? And all these hands go up. These people are giving a testimony that they've actually heard the voice of God. I spoke to a pastor not too long ago. He said, Marty, Jesus showed up in my room and spoke some specific things to me. I was like, wait, you saw him and you heard him. He said, yes, I'm telling you, woke me up. He's standing right there and he's speaking to me. I hear. And I was like, wait, you mean you hear in your spirit, man? He's like, no, no. I heard with my with my ears, with my two ears, I heard the voice of Jesus and he was speaking things to me. Ryan, I've never heard him like that. I envy those people. I'm like, Lord, is my relationship with you not exactly where it needs to be so I can hear you like that? And he's like, no, I'll just speak to you in a different way. Doesn't mean I will never hear the audible voice. It just means it hasn't happened yet. But I've heard him speak other ways. And I looked at at Samuel when the Bible says that that in 1 Samuel 3, that Samuel was in the temple and he was assisting the priest named Eli. And Eli, the Bible says, Eli went and laid down in his own place. That is so profound. I never saw it before, but it jumped off the page to me. The Bible says Eli went and laid down in his own place, doing his own thing, being to himself. But then it said Samuel went and, and lied down right beside the ark of God in the temple where God was. And so the Lord spoke to me, said, Marty, proximity is everything to hearing the voice of God. Proximity. Not, not, not the position of your heart just yet, because the Bible said Samuel didn't even know the Lord. And he's hearing the voice of God speak to him. And he runs to Eli because he thinks, well, it's got to be Eli's voice. Why? Because he's never heard the voice of God. So when he heard the voice, he runs to Eli, who is in his own place, who didn't hear the voice, who is a priest, might I add you, a priest who should hear from God, didn't. A boy who shouldn't hear from God, did. He didn't even know the Lord. So Samuel hears, he runs to Eli. Eli says, I didn't call for you. You need to go back to sleep. Samuel goes back, lays down, goes to sleep. Here's the voice again, again, goes back, does that like three times. And then Eli, it dawns on Eli. Oh, oh, I get it now. That's the Lord speaking to you. Go back. The next time you hear it, say, say this, speak, Lord, your servant listens. In other words, give an invitation for the voice of God to speak back to you what he desires to speak. And so, the last illustration I found was in the New Testament. It's Mary and Martha. Jesus is in the house of Mary and Martha. The Bible says Martha was in the kitchen. She was doing some things. She was being busy, cleaning the dishes, preparing a meal, putting some things away. Not sure. She was in the kitchen. Mary lay at Jesus's feet. Martha gets mad and says, hey, tell her to come help me. She needs to get busy. And basically, Jesus has a conversation with these two women and and says something to the effect of, Martha, leave her alone. Mary's chosen the good thing. Her proximity has built her a platform of a good thing. And so I just have to realize that if Jesus were to speak in that moment, just that moment, in that house, at that time, Martha in the kitchen, Mary at his feet, if Jesus were to whisper anything, who would be the first one to hear? Mary, she's at his feet. Her proximity provided a, a pathway for her to hear what the Lord wanted, wanted to say. And so I just began on this journey of how did he speak? How often did he speak? Um, what made him stop speaking? You know, the Bible in 1 Samuel 3, the same situation with Samuel and Eli. And this is not a Bible study. This is just, it's where I'm taking all my thoughts for this book, Echo Heaven. In 1 Samuel 3, when Samuel and Eli are having this conversation about hearing the voice of God, the Bible says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Mm. The visions were just unheard of in those days. It's not because God did, didn't want to speak to his children. If you go look, God was kind of upset because Eli had allowed some things as the priest, as the man of God. He had allowed his sons to do some pretty wicked things. And there was some wicked kings and wicked priests all in the in the history of the children of Israel and that time frame that it finally got to the place where God said, I can't keep communicating with you wicked people. Number one, everything I'm telling you to do, you don't do it. You argue with me on it. 
you know, and eventually that that's going to cause the voice to quit coming so frequently. And so all those all those revelations, I guess, or illuminations from the word just allowed me to sit down and go, okay, this is how God spoke then. I'm assuming he still speaks the same. He hasn't changed. Um, he can still use donkeys. He can still use the audible voice. He can still speak through angels or visions and dreams or word of knowledge. And, uh, and those words of knowledge that the Lord has allowed me to flow in um, the past 21 years has been absolutely remarkable. I didn't, I didn't ask the Lord for the gift of, you know, the word of knowledge, according to first Corinthians chapter 12, I just began to start flowing in it. Didn't even know what it was, didn't know what to call it, but these words of knowledge, this, this supernatural revelation would come regarding an individual or a group of people. And I just began to release those and kind of intimidating to hear those voices, you know, that are speaking to you from, from heaven. And then to deliver those words, it's intimidating because, whoa, what if it's wrong? Yeah. What if you ask somebody, hey, do you have a do you have a brother named Bill? I feel like I'm hearing something from a brother named Bill. They're like, no, I have a sister named Sally. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, what do you do in those situations? Um, so there's an intimidation factor there. But I just realized that the more that you're willing to get out of the boat, the more he is willing to grab you by the hand. Marty, there's so much there. It's like I need a book to unpack it all. <laughs> I can help I you with that. A book. I just wish there was a book that could help unpack all that. So good. Man, but I don't know. We'll have to find one. We'll have to find one, right? So, okay, I want to go back to you talked about proximity. Yeah. And, you know, we're all in leadership. We, we, we know, you know, show me your friends. I'll show your future. We all know proximity, who you're around influences you. We all know that. And, you know, we talked about Samuel, talked about Mary, Martha. So, you know, do you have any some, some tips? I, I don't know. I don't even know if this is a, I don't know if this is a, a I don't know. It seems like a, a basic question, but it, it just seems worth asking. Do you have some yeah. tips for what does proximity look like today? You know I mean? How do we get up close to the ark? How do we get up close to Jesus? How do we get up close? What are that, what's that proximity look like for today? That's a great question, Ron. And, you know, for us, if we're not careful, especially us, when I say us, I'm talking leaders, pastors, those in ministry, if we're not careful, we will sometimes, not all the time, not stepping on toes because I've been there. I, I'm still there at some point sometimes, but sometimes we'll consider quiet time pulling a up a YouTube video of somebody else's service, somebody else's worship. Guilty. Um, guilty. That, that's me. And that's my quiet time. And I would put on, you know, a great message and I won't throw out any pastor's name or any worship team's name, but there's some, there's some great material out there. And I would use that as my quiet time or read other people's books. Listen, echo heaven is not a replacement for your quiet time. Let me throw that out there. This book, this book, this holy book, that is the that is the source for the quiet time. Carving out, carving out time alone with the Father, with Jesus, with Holy Spirit, so you can say, Hey, I am I am pulling myself away. I'm getting the static of the world, all the static, all the messages, you know, all the social media that's blowing our phones up and our iPads and our computers and laptops, our TVs. I'm pulling away from all that. I'm even disengaging from other people so I can get plugged into him for just, you know, moments of time. And so this really happened and, and affected us in a big way here at Christ Fellowship Church in Dawsonville back in 2018, Ryan. I'd been a youth pastor 18 years. I've been serving with my pastor here um, full time, 21 years. And my senior pastor that I serve with today led me and my wife to the Lord back in December of 1993. But we had gotten to a place, Ryan, and all those who are listening, maybe some of you are there. We got ourselves to a place where we had tried every church growth strategy known to man. We had every curriculum, all the programs, everything you could think of. We had implemented new things every six months. Try this. Throw this out there. Give this away. Market this. Blanket this. Get people to come. The only problem was the people were coming. They just wouldn't stay. Mm -hmm. And... We had gotten so frustrated, Ryan. I'll never forget. My senior pastor came to came to our executive staff, about three or four of us, and he sat down at a conference room table, and frustration had filled his eyes and his heart. 
And he said, if God doesn't move in the next couple of weeks, I'm done. After nearly three decades of ministry, he said, if God doesn't move, I'm done. I'm tired of preaching to empty chairs. I'm tired of the revolving door of ministry. Um, and this, this can apply to your kids' ministry, youth ministry, whatever. You just get tired of the rat race of trying to fill seats and trying to accommodate the people. And, and he, he pushed a soft resignation across the desk. And he said, if God doesn't move next couple of weeks, I'm out of here. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I met with my senior pastor. We walked our sanctuary. It'll seat about 1,000 to 1,500, something like that. We're walking through the sanctuary. And he says, if we put a wall here and a wall here, we could shrink our congregation uh, congregation size. We could shrink the sanctuary down to about four to 500, and then it would look full. Mm. And I was so grieved. I was like, wow. Wow, we're actually going to take what the Lord built and and downsize the dream he gave to fit our <laughs> our inability or I don't even know the word, but we're going to we're going to shrink it down. Man, we had these conversations. He's like, "I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm I'm so done." But he did something, Ryan, in 2018. In January, he said, we're starting the year off with prayer and fasting, much like thousands of other churches out there, thousands of other people that start the year off with prayer and fasting. But he said this time, I'll never forget it. He told our congregation, but this time, 2018, we will not pray for homes to sell, cars to sell. We were not. We, we are not going to be praying for job promotions. We're not going to pray for wealth and businesses to explode. That will not happen in the next 21 days. Here's what we're going to pray and fast about. Number one, that we seek his face. Mm. Not his hand, not his provision, but his person. Who is he? Who is he? We're going to seek his face. Number two, we're going to ask God to press into us. And whatever he presses into us with, something's going to get squeezed out. And it's typically the things that should not be there anyway. And number three, that we would behold the glory of God, the, the, the awe of God. Like when he showed up in the old Testament, new Testament, I love the, I love the scripture that says everywhere Jesus went, he left people perplexed and amazed, scratching their heads. Like what just happened? That's what we were pursuing. That kind of mind blowing stuff. And in a matter of about a week and a half, two weeks, my pastor is walking across the platform on one of our corporate prayer nights. We have five now, five nights a week. People can come and pray. One of those prayer nights, he's walking across the platform. The baptistry was empty. It was usually filled two, maybe three times a year for new converts. We would wait till we had about 30 or 40 new converts. We would have a baptism to, you know, a public display of profession of faith. So on this particular prayer night, the pool was empty. No water in it. It was empty. He's walking across the platform. Now, you got to understand, my, my senior pastor is a former Southern Baptist. I, was, I got saved in the Southern Baptist church. Thank God for my Baptist roots. They taught me how to study and be disciplined and, and evangelize. Um, but we didn't know anything about the gifts. So my pastor, Southern Baptist pastor, had been pastoring for 20 plus years, is at a prayer meeting in Dawsonville, Georgia, walks across the platform, sees this baptismal pool empty, but all of a sudden he stops and God shows him this pool full of water. Mm. He's looking around like, does anybody see this? He sees it with his physical eyes, not his, not his like, oh, I'm just think I see like a open vision. He sees it full of water and then he sees a strip of fire on top of it. Now you got to understand my pastor is not flaky. He's not goofy. He's one of the most authentic, genuine prayer warriors, loves God, loves people, men I've ever seen. And he sees the fire on top of the water and the Lord speaks to him. He said, Todd, I will baptize people in Holy Spirit fire. All we ever knew what that meant was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's all we knew. He didn't know exactly what the full context of the Lord saying, I will baptize people in Holy Spirit fire. Uh, until until later when it started happening. God started showing up in our services. We had a woman that um, she, she wasn't in leadership. She was just uh, um, one of our church members. She came up and she said, you keep mentioning this vision God gave you about 
the baptismal pool being full and a strip of fire on top. And he's like, yeah. She goes, you might want to fill it up. Might want to offer people to be baptized spontaneously. He's like, oh, okay. So he does that. And revival, awakening, movement, spirit of God, whatever you want to call it. It happened in our church February 11, 2018. So for 266 weeks, every Sunday night, um, people come from all over the world. We've baptized over 31,000 people now from Tokyo, Japan, to Guam, to New Zealand, uh, London, Australia. People come from all over. We've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. We've seen some of the most incredible, incredible salvations, deliverance, 30 years of a meth addiction, heroin addictions, just broken in a, in a second, one moment, in a baptistry of all places. And so that's what we've been experiencing in the past couple of years. And in the, in the baptismal waters, I'm, I'm blessed enough to be one of the ones on our team that get to be in the water and listen to all these people come in with all these different needs and all these different sicknesses and diseases. We watched a lady with stage four cancer. The doctors have said, nothing else we can do. Here's morphine, go home and die. Here's your PET scan that showed 50 plus cancerous lesions in her body that was basically eating her from the inside out. It was killing her. And the doctor said, chemo, radiation, there's nothing else we can do for you. We are so sorry. Here's the morphine, go home and, and basically die. And she heard about the baptisms at the North Georgia Revival. She came, drove six and a half hours to get here, um, weak, no energy, dying. And the Lord meets her in that water. And she goes back for a PET scan the next week. And they're blown away. They interrogate her for like 45 minutes. Like, what have you done? Have you been out of the country? Who have you been to see? What have you been eating? Have you changed your diet? She's like, no, 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 no. Why? And they showed her her PET scan. We have a copy of the PET scan. The doctor wow. showed her a PET scan. They can find zero traceable cancer in her body now. Wow. She's been back multiple times uh, to her doctors. And every time they're like, we don't even know how to explain this. We know you were dying. You were eaten up with cancer. And we can't find one cell of it anymore in your body. Not, not one. So... Here it is, 2023. Lorraine Barge has now moved to Dawsonville, Georgia. She said, I have to be here because this is where God gave me my life back. I have to help serve on the team and help accommodate other people that are coming with the same needs and the same desperate, you know, cry. And I, I want to help with that team. So she's part of our baptism team now. And we've seen after her, we've probably seen five, 10, 15 other people, terminal cancer that come and get baptized and are radically, radically healed. So all that to say that in those waters on Sunday nights, um, the Lord will use me in words of knowledge. Again, you don't have to be super spiritual. You don't have to be the most educated. You don't have to know the word upside, you know, front to back Genesis to Revelation. You just have to be available. And so the Lord, he just started giving me these, these words of knowledge for people like this one guy gets in in 2019. And he says, here's, here's my name's Jeffrey. I just come out of a transgender lifestyle of many, many years of perversion and wicked, vile things. And I just came out of it. And um, and so we begin to minister to him. We baptize him. He comes up out of the water and I look at him and it just came to me, Ryan. I don't know. I, it wasn't like this beaming light. It wasn't like words just showed up in front of my eyes. It was just like it just came out. And I looked at him and I said, Jeffrey, you were born for such a time as this. Mm. And he goes, oh, my God, how did you know that? I was like, no, what? I don't, I don't know anything. What? And he said, that's the name of the book I just released called For Such a Time as This. That's the name of my ministry. That's the name of my website. How did you know that? And I was like, never met you in my life. I don't know you. At that time, we were baptizing 300 people a night. I'm like, I don't, I don't know you, man. But it's a word of knowledge. And so... um, yeah, things like that happen on Sunday nights. Happen happens when we travel and speak. And so it's just God trying to get our attention and let people know he still speaks and he still desires to move in our lives. So good. Those are very encouraging. So what would you say, like how would you define a word of knowledge? You know, I think um, you know, of those uh, you know, gifts of the spirit, 
you know, yeah. how would you define a word of knowledge and maybe, you know, how is it different than like prophecy? Yeah. Yeah. Another great question. So a word of knowledge is just exactly that. It is a word of something known, not by the delivery person, but by the person who's receiving that word of knowledge. It's something they will already know. It's going to confirm something in their life. Like uh, the Lord may give you, you know, like, like with Jeffrey for such a time as this, I've never met this kid in my life, but it was a immediate download, a supernatural download uh, from heaven and downloads the, it's the only word I can use right now. I don't have a better word for it, but a download from heaven to deliver to him that he already knows. He wrote the book. He, he, he launched the website. He has the ministry name called for such a time as this. And so it, the word of knowledge just confirmed to him what he already knows. Um, another word of knowledge was, uh, you know, sometimes somebody gets in the, in the pool and I'll look at them and say, you're 17. Yeah. How'd you know that? I don't, you, you never told me that. Do you, do you play the keys? Yeah. I'm on the worship team and I play the keys. How'd you know that? We've never met. Where did you say you live? I live in Montana, but <laughs> we've never met, but the Lord knows you and he's here and he just wants you to know that, that he's in this moment. He's, he's got some great things for you. So a word of knowledge just confirms something they already know. Uh, a word of prophecy, a prophetic word, it doesn't always have to be something that's going to happen in the future. It's just a prophetic word framing something that that person who's receiving it has no knowledge of at this point. Mm -hmm. But they could be stepping into it tomorrow, the next day, five days later. So it's kind of framing something that's going to happen. Um, um, but a word of knowledge is just confirming something that's, it's already within them. There, there was another man got in the water. I'll share one more uh, very quick. One, one man got in the, in the water one night from Troy, Alabama. Never met him before. Never talked to him before. Didn't know his name, know anything about him. So he gets in the water and immediately I look at him before he introduced himself, before I ask any questions. I said, I just heard digging, digging and baseball. And he's like, oh my God. I said, what? He goes, I own a fence company. I dig every day of my life. And he said, but baseball, I don't know what that. And he didn't finish his sentence, Ryan. He went, oh my gosh. He puts his face uh, uh, face in his hands and he doubles over to where his nose is almost touching the water. And he just begins to weep. And he comes back up after a, a, a few moments. I let him get his composure. He said, oh my God, digging. I own a fence company. I dig every day of my life. And baseball, I thought, I don't know anything about baseball, but then it hit me. When my son was 11 years old, he started playing travel baseball and I couldn't go to the games because I was too busy building my business of digging. Mm. He said, I've got to go home and repent to my boy. I'm going to, I'm going to let the Lord redeem time for me and my son. I got to go back and stop digging so much and start investing in my kid. And so I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know digging in baseball, but the Lord knew. And the Lord uses a word of knowledge today, I believe today, just to get our attention, just to say, hey, this old boy from Georgia has no idea who you are. And he knows it and you know it. But the Lord's, is, the Lord's like, I know who you are. And to get your attention, I'm going to have to have him communicate something to you that nobody should know. He shouldn't know this. He shouldn't know this. Uh, but it just gets their attention. So the next thing that can come, um, healing or deliverance or whatever, they're more ready to receive that because it's now, now, now the Lord's got their attention. All right. So how do we, where do we even start? Right. So we've heard about this. I'm inspired. I'm encouraged. I'm ready to go. What, where do I even start with this? I mean, I think a lot of people, like you said earlier, you know, it's kind of intimidating to just walk up to somebody and say, Hey, digging in baseball, right? Like, you know, and so, uh, where do we even start with, with all this? Yeah. So, um, of course I'm giving you like 12 years into this thing of the digging in the baseball, but early on it started off with just, um, a heart to say, Lord, I will give you my yes before you even ask the question. Mm. If you want to use me for anything, it's a yes. If I'm uncomfortable, if I'm embarrassed, intimidated, it doesn't matter. If you need to use me for anything, if you want me to sow a seed financially, it's a yes before you even ask it because it's the kingdom. You're asking for it. I'll do it. 
Um, if you want me to speak anything, I'll do it. If you want me to preach or if you don't want me to do anything other than to attend, you just tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. I'm going to echo whatever you tell me to do. Uh, so for me, it, it was very simple. I've got to find his feet. I've got to quit coming to him as a spiritual Santa Claus with my with my wish list of take care of this, fix that. I don't get along with him. Get him out of my life. You know, all those the wish list. I need a better job. I need more money. Instead of seeking his hand, just had to get to a position of seeking his face. I just want to know you. I want to know all about you, how you speak, what your heart is for every situation. And so I would say to anybody listening, anybody out there that's ready to, to maybe you already hear the voice of God. Maybe you just want to amplify. Maybe you want the voice of God amplified. Or if you're just beginning, I've never heard the voice of God, but I would love to mm. find his feet. Find places in your schedule where you're going to have to carve out time to do this, where it doesn't take a lot of time. You don't have to go away to a cabin for three days. and It's just you and your Bible um, and, and Hillsong or Elevation. You don't have to do any of that. <laughs> um, but you do have to carve out some time to just get get still before him like Samuel did, like Mary did. You just have to get still before him. You have to do what the woman at the well did. She went to the well thinking she was going to get water, but she left with water. Well, that'll mess you up. She came for water. She left with water. Jesus said, I am that what you thirst of. She came for liquid. She left with some love she had never had. She couldn't find it in the men she had. And, and oh my gosh, Ryan, that was a word of knowledge right there when Jesus said, hey, go tell your husband. She's like, uh, kind of intimidated here, uh, awkward. I don't have a husband. And he goes, I know. Matter of fact, you've had five men, and the one you're with now is number six, and you're not married to him. That was a word of knowledge. She already knew that. Wasn't a prophetic word. Wasn't like Jesus was using the prophetic word of, hey, you're going to tear the temple down, and I'm going to restore it in three days. That's a prophetic. That's a word of prophecy. Word of knowledge is she already knows she's not married and she's been through five. So let me tell her something I should not know about her because they had never met. Um, so, so that word of knowledge opened up a beautiful door for her. I would say find his feet, carve out time in your day or week or whatever your frequency is to where you can, you can dial in. It's like that old radio. If you remember those old car radios back in the seventies and eighties, they had a little red dial. Man, you got you got that little knob, and you're turning that red dial past, and you're trying to find that FM or AM station, and you hear you hear a little bit of voice, but you went past it, and you got static again. Mm. You have to go back, just dial it back a little bit, and you heard the voice, but oh, it went static again. Then you barely turn it to the right one more time, and now now you can hear it's clear. Stay right there. That's that's getting ourselves dialed in is when we take moments to get along with him, quieting ourselves down. I'm not listening to, you know, the famous worship team. I'm not listening to the preacher. That's not the time I'm talking about. I mean, when it's just you in a quiet cave or a dark room saying, Lord, speak. I'm listening. That's where you start. It's great. It's it's great. Start. Yeah, I know for me, um, you know, a big thing in, in my life, you know, our one of our mentors, Marty, you know, said short prayers reach the throne room when you don't live far away. Right. Oh, and wow. so these aren't having to be super long, lengthy, you know, I'm, but just shooting up a little prayer before you walk into that coffee meeting or that lunch meeting and just say, Lord, what, what would you have to say to this person? Right. And yeah. And uh, just allowing the Holy Spirit to just put, put an impression, you know, I think that that yeah. for me has been something learning is that often those impressions of uh, that thought, it might not even make sense in the moment, but to just and, um, you know, I mean, I mean, do you have some some tips or like how do you even deliver these in such a way that's not weird? You know, yeah. like, you, I mean, do you start with the Lord said? I mean, I, I don't know, like, like what are some things in there just kind of weave this in in such a way that you're not like that weird person? Yeah, yeah. Well, number one, I think we have to understand that the Lord does not need our help 
with communicating to his people. When I say that, I mean, I don't have to sound so anointed, so spiritual to people where I would in 2023 go up to anybody and say, thus saith the Lord. Number one, I don't speak like that. Hmm. Why would I use that? Why would I use that to communicate how the Lord speaks? I've never heard him say, thus saith the Lord. I've heard words like digging in baseball. Hmm. And and a lot of times, a lot lot of times, Ryan, it'll just be, hey, like you said, I feel impressed from the Lord about about something for you. Are you open? Can I share what I feel like I've sensed? I'm hearing the Lord say, you know, sometimes an invitation is a wonderful thing. Instead of just coming out, thus saith the Lord, I got a word for you. No, it may just be, hey, hey, are you open? Can I just share what I feel like the Lord is sharing with me right now about you? It's pretty awesome. Can I just share that? Um, and then deliver that. It, it's, it starts with the Lord testing us. It's always, 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 you got to hear this. The times when the Lord wants to speak to us usually comes on the other side of testing. He did it with Abraham. Take your son, your only son, take him up. Um, He does that. He's obedient to it. It's a yes. He takes him up, takes his son, lays him on the altar, picks up the knife, getting ready to sacrifice his son. And then the voice comes. The voice comes. The Lord is He's always wanting to speak. The voice comes. Don't do that. I've got something else provided over here, but now I know. Those three words are so critical. Now I know. How does he know? Because he spoke something. Abraham acted on it, even though it was awkward, intimidating. Got to kill my son? Wow. Are you kidding? Come on, anything but that. No, Abraham said, okay, you spoke. I'm going to do it. I'm going to echo what you said. And then when he does it, the Lord's like, nope, I I provided something else. Um, Jesus himself went through testing. 40 days of that testing, man. And then he begins to hear the voice of the Lord and angels come to minister to him. Um, but it, it, it doesn't have to be awkward. It doesn't have to be super spiritual and flaky. Um, there, there was a couple. Can I share one more? It'll take two minutes. Can I share two, two minutes of a story? Uh, one of my youth leaders years ago, um, she had served with us for probably six or seven years in youth ministry. One of the top, man, to this day, 18 years later, her and her husband ran the most effective small group. You couldn't, you couldn't call it a small group. It started off with three or four kids and turned out like 50 to 60 kids, just blown up. One of the most faithful uh, youth leaders we ever had. I'll never forget her husband calls me, which he rarely did. She was the one that was in communication with me, but Ward called me and he said, Marty, I've got to tell you something. Um, I said, okay, what is it? He said, no, I can't tell you over the phone. Me and Monica need to drive up there to your office at the church. We have to talk to you right now. I said, come on, it's okay. So they get there and they begin to tell me they have tears in their eyes. They're crying when they walk in, they have tissue already. And I knew, I knew Ryan, something's not good. Mm -hmm. So they sat there and began to tell me that she just came back from the doctor's office and they have diagnosed her with some incurable, very aggressive pancreatic cancer. And the doctors, they told her that day, that day, we're going to try this, that, and the other, but here's what your outlook is for the next three months. Bleak. Mm -hmm. It is so rapidly uh, growing. It it may be it may be months. If it's a year, shocking. It'll be sh- it'll be shocking to us. You're dying. We don't know how else to tell you. You're dying, and it's quick. And so they came to me. We got to step down. We can't do youth ministry. We we got to figure things out. My son's not even graduated high school yet. I wanted to see him graduate. I wanted to see him have a kid, get married, all the stuff. And they're devastated. And I'm sitting there and I've got tears in my eyes and I'm weeping with them and I begin to pray with them and minister to them in my limited words of encouragement. How do you tell somebody that, that's dying? Oh, the Lord's got this. Well, she didn't want to hear that. Hmm. You know, that's, she wanted something like, Hey, here's the cure. Um, but we're all, we're all weeping and broken. And as I conclude my prayer with Monica, Ryan, I hear it is so random. I hear brown dress pink rose so i said monica may i share something with you that's so off the wall and ramp she's like i don't care i've heard enough today it doesn't matter i said i just heard brown dress pink rose she starts laughing ryan and i thought i immediately thought the lord just wanted me to share that to get her to laugh to, to lighten her up and then i begin to see in a vision her 
her on foreign soil on the mission. I knew it to be the mission field in a brown dress with a pink rose. I said, Monica, I think this is what the Lord's trying to say to us right now. And I shared that. And she started laughing even more. She said, no, not me. Number one, never been on the mission field. Number two, I don't wear dresses. Can't be for me. I said, okay, well, I just want to throw it out there. I just wanted to be obedient to throw it out there. I did not want to be disobedient and hold back something that the Lord wanted to do. So we leave that church. A couple of, couple of years later, we left that church. We came to another church here in Dawsonville where we are currently. Um, Monica reached out to me three and a half years later, Ryan. Hadn't heard from her in three and a half years. Reaches out to me. She said, I have got to tell you this. I said, what? She said, Marty, our church went on a missions trip to Kenya. I'd never been on a missions trip, had no desire until, until they say we're going to Kenya and something left on the inside of me like, I want to go to Kenya. She goes to Kenya. She comes back from Kenya. She said, Marty, this is going to blow your mind. I said, what? She said, before I went on that trip, one of your former students who's now at a university, University of Georgia, heard I was going on the trip and wanted to buy me a gift. He shows up at my house, Marty, you're not going to believe this, with a brown dress. She said, who did you talk to? Who did you? She said, Marty, did he talk to you? I said, absolutely not. So she asked him, who did you talk to? She's, and, and the young man said, well, I asked my mom, you know, what would be a good gift? And she said, maybe something nice like a dress or something. And I found this beautiful brown dress and bought it for you. She said, Marty, I wore that brown dress on the mission field. Because I said in the, in the word of knowledge, brown dress, pink rose. And I told her that I saw, you know, a bunch of, um, I don't remember the word terminology, but dark skin people. I knew it was the mission field. So she said, I, I was on the mission field and I had a brown dress on, but there was no pink rose on it. Like you saw pink roses. You saw pink rose. She said, it didn't have a pink rose on it. Until I got home, I thought, huh. What brand was that? She said, I looked in the tag, Marty. I promise you. She sent me a picture. The brand of the brown dress is called Pink Rose. Ryan, I don't know anybody, not me, that's smart enough. But I know a God who is so big and so precise and so detailed. He knows every aspect of our life. He knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. He's just looking for an obedient, I don't care if it's intimidating, I don't care if it's off the wall, random, whether it whether it's fulfilled or not, it's not up to me. I'm just I I just deliver it. Mm. Right? If we get caught up on whether it's from the Lord or not, or whether it's you know this or that, listen, just take some risk. Be like Peter. Is it Jesus? Is it you out there? I'm not sure if it's you or not out there, but I'm going to take a risk and step out of the boat. And Jesus said, it's me. And he grabs him by the hand. It, Bethel has done this for years. Bethel has done these treasure hunts. Mm. They'll go into a prayer meeting. Lord, show us who we're going to meet today. Specific things like red shoes, yellow hat, green jacket, old man, white beard. Show us something. And the Lord does. And they go out and the Lord has them find these people. They get to minister to them. And so Number one, he still speaks. Number two, he wants to speak to us. And number three, when he speaks to us, he expects us to echo heaven. There's so much there, Mario. I all I can say is, guys, go get the book. Um, it's filled with testimonies like you've heard, filled with application points like this. Um, Mario, I know that this was a, a passion project for you for many years, and so. I'm sure there's lots of people that are listening today that got a passion that's brewing inside of them. Maybe it's a podcast or a book or a blog or whatever it might be, but uh, maybe even uh, specifically for a book, what would be some tips or advice that you'd give for somebody that's just, man, I got this passion project inside of them. Yeah. Anytime you have something, if you want to build your, 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 your faith, your knowledge on faith, go find every book, go listen to everybody you can, that here, here that teaches on faith, go, go get the resources you need. That's what I love about you, Ryan. You're constantly pulling people together, networking, connecting people and putting resources in the hands of people that can, that can improve where we are and where we're trying to go. And so I'd encourage anybody, listen, 
it doesn't have to be my book. Get any book on on the voice of God. Um, find yourself in rooms with people like like mm-hmm. Sean Bolts. If you ever heard of this guy named Sean Bolts, blowing my mind how accurate. Like he will call people out of the crowd and say, "Is your name Alex?" Yes. Do you live on Judge's Road? I do. How do you know that? Do you have a brother named so and so? I mean, just precise things. And it's just the Lord trying to communicate to his people the same way he did in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all the way to Revelation. He's still speaking. Get your hands on as much material as you can and ask the Lord to to increase your faith when it comes to hearing his voice and and um, words flowing in words of knowledge, because it is the most inviting thing when you're at a restaurant and the waiter comes up and you say, hey, is it okay if I share a word with you? I just feel like the Lord wanted me to share something with you. And he's like, yeah, sure. What you got? Hey, man, you just you just lost your mom a couple of months ago to COVID. How did you know that? Of course, then they think you're stalking them on Facebook or something like that. But you're like, no, it's a great invitation to say, no, no, no. I know nothing about you. I just know the Lord. And he speaks to his children this way sometimes. And I just want to be obedient and tell you what he's what he's wanting to say to you. And so martydaricott.com, the book's available right there. It'll be coming out uh, April 4th, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, DestinyImage.com, all those places. But um, but right now you can get it on martydaricott.com. We'll ship it out to you uh, and it'll help. It'll only be another tool in the arsenal that you have on building um, your ears, developing your ears to hear what the voice of God is saying today. So good, Marty. Appreciate your time. Uh, so yeah. encouraging and uh you know just just encouraging to get out there and let god speak to us and speak through us for those of you guys that want a couple other uh resources dive in a little bit more i want to encourage you to listen to episode 66 knowing your identity in christ uh, or jump into episode 30 creating a culture of prayer or the last one I got for you is episode five is talking about the Holy Spirit with an emotional generation. I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Pastors Roundtable podcast. And I can't wait to be with you guys again here shortly. 